welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. This is the Epiphany text, and so we are actually ahead of the church calendar. Epiphany is 12 days after Christmas. It'll be January the 6th. It is every year. Um, We're going to accelerate the calendar a little bit and listen to this text and hopefully hear a word from God about beginning a new year together. When Jesus was born in the village of Bethlehem in Judea, Herod was asking, uh, during this time, wise men from Herod was king. And during this time, some wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and said, Where is a child born to be king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard about this, he was worried, and so was everyone else in Jerusalem. Herod brought together the chief priests and the teachers of the law and Moses and asked them, Where will the Messiah be born? And they told him he will be born in Bethlehem, just as the prophet wrote. Bethlehem in the land of Judea, you're very important among the towns of Judea. From your town will come a leader who will be like a shepherd for my people Israel. Herod secretly called the wise men and asked them when they had first seen the star. And he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, let me know. I also want to go and worship him. The wise men listened to what the king said and then left. And the star they had seen in the east went on ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. They were thrilled and excited to see the star. When the men went into the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother, they knelt down and worshiped him. They took out their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and gave them to him. And later they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod. Everybody read this last line. And they went back home by another road. So word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated and let us pray together. Eternal God, show us your word and your covenant in your word and your grace in your covenant and your goodness in your grace and your love in your goodness, and yourself in your love. All in the face of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. As I left the house early this morning, it was foggy, and I had this overwhelming need to try and find some fireworks and set them off early this morning, right? (laughs) I almost feel like every two minutes I'm going to stop, have you stand up, punch your neighbor, make sure they're still awake, and then we'll continue worshiping. I was scurrying around this morning and rather busily, and the Lord is going to give you a fantastic year, and this is how your year is going to begin. I had prepared a 12-page sermon to deliver, and it sits on my desk, so this is all I can remember, and that's all we're going to do right now. (laughs) I mean, I had delved in and gone deep into the whole context of where did Epiphany come from. I was going to unpack the text and talk about We don't think there were actually just three magi. And by the way, do you know that a single for a magi is a magus? Or magus, I don't know how to pronounce it correctly, but there are three. We assume there are three. Why? Because there were three gifts, right? 
We actually think that they showed up not a few days after, as church tradition says, 12 days after, but probably two years afterward. And we actually can correlate through historical information about why was it that Herod then said and sent people to slaughter all the children, all the boys in Bethlehem, two years and younger because of his inquiring of these magi, these wise men. Now, I love that my mother's theology says, yeah, wise men, they brought gold, myrrh, and frankincense. If wise women had showed up, they would have been there before the birth, had a casserole, and helped deliver the baby. <laughs> and then there's that meme I wanted to post that said, a virgin birth, I can understand. Three wise men, that's the miracle. <laughs> so much of our tradition just sort of folds over in the assumptions, but when we dig into the text and we let the text speak, we need to hear important details. So I just want to boil all of this down as we launch into a new year, gathered around this table, tasting the goodness of God's grace to a very simple concept, the three gifts and another road. Three gifts and another road. So they bring three gifts and they're not accidental gifts. Um, we think they probably were astrologers. You don't know exactly where they're from. Uh, some would say Persia, some would say India, some just say from the east. We don't know exactly. All that we know is that they come seeking to find out what this star represents. They probably were, uh, most think, of a Babylonian or Persian descent because some of the Hebrew traditions, when the Jews were in exile, would have been lingering in the memory of those astrologers, people who looked to the stars to try and determine the future. And there would have been this remnant of thought about there's going to be a Messiah that comes from these people that we have conquered and brought into exile. That's probably the most logical. We, we don't know anything about their faith. It's, we do know this, they were not Christian. Now, this is a plain part of the text that we sometimes forget, right? No one's a Christian yet. That Jesus has just been born. Uh, your Christian faith is based on, based on his birth, life, death, and resurrection. They're, they're hungering. They're searching for Messiah. And when they come, they come to that place, and they, they, conf they ask Herod. Herod's a horrible leader. He executed everybody around him. In fact, when Herod was on his deathbed, he ordered them, the, uh, the Roman guards to gather three to four of the most popular Jewish leaders and murder them at the time of his death so there would be at least someone crying at the time of his death because he knew he was hated. He murdered his wives. He murdered his children. He was horrible. This is why all Jerusalem is terrified because Herod is terrified. So these wise men come, they inquire. Herod gets the chief priest, he gets the teachers of the law, they come together, they know to go to Bethlehem, and the wise men come to Bethlehem with gold, myrrh, and frankincense. Gold is probably most representative of the kingship of the one to be born and cradled in Mary's arms. And so these three gifts, the challenge for you and me, what difference does it make for our lives in 2023? These three gifts, here's what matters. What matters is how is Christ Lord of your life? Where is his kingship prevailing in the decisions that you make? Folks, if we approach this new year and we fall into sort of the secular pattern of I'm going to get a membership to the gym and I'm going to eat healthier, and how long does that last? 
I will not tell you the specific number, but my wife stood in the kitchen the other day and she said, well, I weighed X number on January the 1st and I weigh X number on December the 30th. <laughs> I guess not much has changed. And I think she's trying to guilt me to go the scales. I didn't take the bait. <laughs> I'm on the same belt loop last year as I was this year. I'm just looking for consistency, right? But these patterns within the world, it's, oh, new habits, eat healthier, eat, lose weight. I mean, come, we can go all down the list, right? Friends, this is not about a trivial sense of habit. This is about your life. This is about the decisions that you make, that the one who's carried in Mary's arms would be the Lord of Lord, the King of Kings, the one before whom every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. And the question for you and me is, will he be Lord of our lives? I was in a conversation last year with a youth and said, what does the Lordship of Christ mean to your life? And they said, well, not that he really should determine every decision I make, but just be there to consult if I need something. That's a message of the culture, right? The message of the culture is, hey, Jesus is an option. That's not our message. He isn't a king. He's the king. The king. He's not a savior. He's the savior. He's not a way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so for you and me, the question is, how will we let that relationship with Christ reflect his kingship, his lordship? There is a trend happening theologically to actually take the G out of kingship and kingdom and call it kinship or kingdom. And the problem with this theologically is it reduces the sense of a transcendent truth to only exist within our human relationships. We understand our human relationships to be reflective through the creeds and the teachings, but we don't want to bring down the value of what God calls us to be. We want to live into it. Thus, Paul says what? Paul says, have the same mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. We're called to live into something that God created us to be. Gold, the kingship of Christ. Frankincense. I've actually got frankincense and myrrh in my office if you want to come back and come by and see it. Frankincense is almost like um, gnarly little pieces of rock, small granite if you would. It's when the sap combines itself and just sort of coagulates and, and crystallizes. And the frankincense was used actually to burn these small little crystallized pieces, almost like pop rocks, if you get those for the kids and grandkids, you would burn them and it was representative worship. And so frankincense would be, uh, would be burned and the reason you would burn and have incense is that within the tradition, when something is burning, there is a flame that goes off. For example, every time that we use the acolyte uh, lighter, there's oil in it, and that little flame continues, and we blow it out, and you can see the smoke sort of wafting up. That's the imagery. That's why within the Catholic tradition, when the priest comes in, they will have incense, and they will swing the incense. It's, it's symbolic of our praise is going up to God. I'm reminded of the child who once said uh, in worship, in comes the priest with the incense. And, and the little boy stepped out of the aisle, walked up to the priest and said, Hey, mister, your purse is on fire. <laughs> well, is our life on fire? Do our lives reflect what God wants? Is our life a worship? Paul says clearly in Romans chapter 12, your life 
is your worship to God. When we give our lives to what God's calling us to be, when we choose to step into the places to proclaim that this is not the way God desires our relationships to be, when we step into the places to say there is hunger and we should meet it, where there's thirsty, we should quench it, where there is injustice, we should stand against it. This is who we are called to be as God's people, and that's our worship to God. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. goal, the decisions that you make, is Christ Lord of your life? Myrrh. I mean, frankincense. Is this the way that your life is your life, a offering to God? And this third gift of myrrh, myrrh is sandy, it's granulated sap. And it's actually used in a granulated form, and what it does is they actually scatter it over a body that has died. It's used actually in a place of burial. Tradition tells us that between frankincense and the myrrh, you have the imagery of what Boethius calls the full God-man, the deity of God in the frankincense and worship, the myrrh representing his full humanity, that he would come and he would die for the sins of the world. So how am I going to do something with myrrh and death? I'll tell you how. There is something that every one of us in our habits, in our behaviors, in our decisions, we need to leave in last year. We need to die to habits, behaviors, and decisions, and influences that do not help us let our life reflect a worship to God and create space to enable us to let God be the Lord of our life, the one who informs our every decision. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They're gifts for you as well. And then having approached that place, it's fascinating. Don't miss this in the text. Let the text speak. They knelt down and they worshiped him. They knelt down and they worshipped him. And the text doesn't tell us which song they sang, which liturgy they used. And we don't even know what worship looked like. All we know is that they knelt beside the manger because the one cradled there and in Mary's arms, they knew was the Messiah. And the last verse, part of what you read. You remember what you read? You remember that phrase I had you speak? And when they had been warned in a dream about Herod, they, they went home by what? Another road. If you want this year to be different than the past year, you've got to be willing to take a different road. And the way that you take a different road is you say no to the Herods of this world that are about power, position, and greed and grabbing, and you say yes to the one who is represented in gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
The one who shows vulnerability is not a bad thing. Being vulnerable in the world is a beautiful thing. Placing the, the concerns and the needs of others is not a weakness, it's a strength. Being able to come to a place and say, God, use me as you will, is vital. There are three things every pastor looks for in the course of a year. I'm already on my hunt in 2023. We want something spectacular for Easter. We need something spectacular for Christmas. And we need something spectacular for the new year. Any pastor that tells you that they're not hunting every Facebook, TikTok, and social media post and leadership journal they have is not telling you the truth. And whether it's a file at your desk or something that's created, you look, you look, you look. And I found earlier this year this prayer, and I can't tell you exactly where it was, but I found it. It's by Charles Defoe. And it's an amazing prayer. In over two weeks, what we're going to do is help us together live into this paradigm of offering our lives to God fully and freely. Today, it's in the beginning of a new year, around the table of Holy Communion. Next week, in all four services, will be a service of baptismal remembrance and covenant renewal using part of John Wesley's covenant renewal service and prayer. Over two consecutive weeks, we really want to lean into saying, God, how do we create space in our hearts and our lives for you to have your way, for you to help us hear you better? So as we close today, um, you can read this in your heart. You can read this prayer aloud. I will post it on Facebook afterwards so you can have a copy of it. But I want to use this prayer to close before we move to the great Thanksgiving because I think it captures the essence of all that we're talking about in giving our lives and leaving by a different road and following where God leads. I'll invite you to turn your attention to the screen. Join with me either in your heart or out loud as we pray together. Father, I place myself into your hands. I entrust myself to you. I abandon myself to you. Father, do with me as pleases you. Whatever you do with me, I thank you. Thank you for everything. I'm ready for everything. I accept everything. I thank you for everything so long as your will is done in me, my God. So long as your will is done in all your creatures, in all your children, in all whom your heart loves. I want nothing else, my God. Into your hands I commend my soul. I give it to you, my God, with all the love of my heart, because I love you. And because in my love I need to give myself, to place myself into your hands beyond all measure. I place myself into your hands with infinite trust, because you are my Father. And all of God's people said, amen. I'll have copies of this. You can take pictures of it with your phone. It'll be placed on my Facebook page. It is also available for you on the church uh, broadcast. And you can pick up that prayer as well if you want to continue to pray that. Stacey, I invite you to come as we gather around this table now. Celebrate.
the sign, symbol, sacrament of God's love for each of us in beginning this new year and journey around the table of communion. Christ our Lord invites to this table, which is his table, all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and with one another. Merciful, Merciful God, we confess that we have not lived you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I invite you to a silent moment of confession. Sisters and brothers, hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. God. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and we join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took the bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, and said, Take eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice, in union with Christ offering for us, as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ Christ will will come come again. again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here on these gifts of this cup and of this bread. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. And by your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory. And our lives reflect the priority that God is in each of us. For all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, through the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church. Amen. And now with the confidence of being the children of God, let us join together in the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, Father, who who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.